I'm Jared Janes, and this is Impactful. So, in the past, I've avoided talking about trendy topics because it can be a bit of a minefield. But today, I'm making an exception. So, buckle in because we're talking about tribalism. Now, even though we don't live the tribal lives of our ancestors, it's becoming glaringly clear that tribalism isn't something we've outgrown. Whether it's the mostly harmless sports club or the terrifying extremist cult, our human urge to belong can be found everywhere. And sadly, some of the things that we expected to reduce the us-versus-them nature of tribes don't seem to be helping. In fact, they might even be doing the opposite. The internet and communications technology in general was supposed to break down the barriers that defined the tribes of our past. But instead, it seems to have increased our ability to section ourselves off. Now, this probably isn't news to you, but if we can agree that something has to change in order for all 8 billion of us to live together, we gotta start doing some real thinking. This is one of the topics that I've been obsessed with for the past decade. And while I'm not claiming to have any simple solutions, I have adopted a strategy that I think at least points to some important insights, and at most gives us some tools to overcome the toxic tribal behavior that seems to be running wild right now. But before I outline that strategy, I need to tell you about the path that brought me there. Just like most of us, the first groups I identified with were mostly inherited from my family. But as my adult life started, I found myself exploring new territory, and along the way, joining, leaving, and even colliding with a bunch of tribes. As I look back now, I realize that I started this whole tribal journey with two primary tools, a compass that pointed me in the direction of my curiosity, and my Swiss army knife of rationality. And while I've found many new metaphorical gadgets along the way, I still use these tools today. And here's the best and worst thing about them. They pointed me to the tribes I was most suited for, but once I joined, they eventually collided with the sacred ideas at the core of these groups. I know I have a bit of a tendency to get a little too abstract and metaphorical, so let's bring things back down to earth. When I started my intellectual journey, I quickly found that my curiosity was a bit overwhelming. Politics, evolutionary science, physics, cryptocurrency, psychology, startups, design, management theory, nutrition, the list just kept growing. But for the purpose of this episode, let's focus on one of my earliest and most consistent interests, nutrition. I've mentioned it in a past episode, but for those of you who don't know, I have a genetic disorder called cystic fibrosis, or CF for short. It messes with a lot of stuff, but mostly it damages my lungs and digestive system, which brings us to nutrition. There are a bunch of stomach issues that come with CF, but one of the biggest problems is poor digestion. This makes it hard to keep a healthy weight, so doctors and nutritionists put me on a high-calorie diet to deal with this. So for me, that meant eating as many sweets and junk food as I could growing up. And don't get me wrong, this was a lot of fun. But as you can imagine, it came with some downsides, like pretty much constant stomach pain and discomfort. But I was assured that this was just part of the CF reality, so I never really gave it much thought. But then, after copious amounts of delicious sugary cereal and a intimate relationship with many fast food menus, 
my oldest friend Kyle sent me an interesting podcast where it mentioned that some people with CF did really well on something called the Paleolithic diet. I was super skeptical because of what I had been told my whole life, but my curiosity was sparked, so I decided it was at least worth a try. After a bit of research, I started a two-week trial to see if I noticed any differences. The results ended up being, well, at the risk of sounding cliché, beyond anything I could have imagined. Within a couple days, I realized that I had spent my entire life at a minimum of a five on the stomach discomfort scale. And for the first time, I was experiencing what zero felt like. As you can imagine, this led to my immediate exit from the CF nutrition tribe that I was born into. I'd found my new Paleolithic home, or should I call it a cave? I don't know. Anyways, to the surprise of my doctors, this new approach to eating had a huge impact on my health. Not only did my stomach feel great, but I didn't have to supplement vitamins anymore since I was getting them from real food, my immune system was fighting infections better than ever, my weight was steady, and I was even able to reduce some of the medications that I had been taking my whole life. I was quickly becoming a paleo-evangelist, singing its praises to everyone that would listen. And surprisingly, a lot of people in my life were convinced to give it a try too. But this is where things started to get a little complicated. While they did see benefits, they weren't having the profound shifts in health that I did. And some even had some negative side effects along the way. This is when that pesky curiosity started to rear its head again. So I started looking for answers from my new tribe. And that's when I started to find myself colliding with those sacred ideas I mentioned before. Ideas that didn't want to hear what my curiosity and rationality had to say. But I've never been known for respecting authority, so I asked them anyway. Things like, what if this diet doesn't work the same for everybody? Or what if carbs aren't always bad? What if paleo's too hard or expensive for some people? Or most importantly, what if the answers I'm looking for just aren't this simple? Asking taboo questions like this is a great way to end a tribal membership. Because you either offend the leaders, or the answers, or lack thereof, show the group's limitations. I fell into the latter category. But regardless of the imperfections I had found, much of what I would learned was impactful, and not just for me. Which left me conflicted, especially because when I signed up for this group, I really thought I had found the truth about nutrition. And so I was going to go find a new group that could fill in the gaps. So I left the Paleo Cave in search of better tribes. And I found, joined, and yet again left a few more. But as this process continued, I intuitively started to concentrate a little bit more on what I learned, and a little less on the fact that they didn't have all the answers. More on that in a minute. Now, this roller coaster of a nutritional journey is just one example of how my worldview evolved over time. But the interesting thing here was how similar the ride was to the paths of my other interests. Whether it was politics, meditation, management, or anything else I spent a significant amount of time exploring. Each interest took me on a unique ride past many tribes. And every one of them looked to and built on a few sacred ideas. And what made them sacred was the fact that they were what held the group together. And just like the Paleo tribe, I wholeheartedly joined a lot of them, thinking I'd finally found the team with the best ideas. Especially in the beginning. 
it felt amazing to connect and learn with like-minded people, and it made it easy to overlook any gaps in their theories, especially because I was still learning them. And in many ways, this phase is extremely important. It's perfect for connecting with others and learning deeply about the shared interests that held us together. But I also noticed this increased aptitude for learning was mostly limited to the ideas accepted by the tribe. And the more committed I became, the easier it was to look at all other tribes and ideas through a single lens. When I was most committed to a single team, I found myself rarely listening to other ideas, but instead looking for anything that could conflict with my sacred theories. But luckily, for me, that early glow would always start to fade, and my curiosity would always find new limitations. So eventually, it would always lead to me looking elsewhere. Alright, so obviously I'm not the first to realize that there are downsides to being in tribes. That no single tribe has all the answers. And that asking prying questions about the core beliefs of a group doesn't usually go over well. So why should we care? Well, spend a little time digging into the psychological effects of group dynamics, read some history, or even simpler, take a look at your social media feed. It's pretty easy to see the dangers here. And we seem to be drowning in the negative aspects of tribalism right now. Protecting and spreading the ideas of a group leads to many forms of irrational behavior, dehumanization of others, and certainty in the dualistic perspective of us versus them. And right now, it feels like these tendencies are literally tearing our culture apart. So what do we do? Well, the first and most obvious approach seems to be pretty simple. If you want to avoid these tribal downsides and nurture curiosity and rationality, just don't join any tribes. And after a bunch of my experience reinforced the drawbacks of groups, that's exactly what I did. And I wasn't alone. In fact, the no-tribe approach seems to be growing in popularity right now. I started finding a lot of these people. And, as you can imagine, I had a lot in common with them. Alright, you can probably see where this is going, right? In my attempt to opt out of the tribe game, I ironically found myself in a new one. The anti-tribal tribe. Where the sacred idea that connects everyone is the view that tribalism is something that we need to outgrow. This is a funny bunch, because most of them quickly notice that urge to group again, so they keep some distance from each other. A few of them even go out of their way to completely remove themselves. And I'm sure they live extremely rational lives where their curiosity can run wild in a mostly isolated life. But this is where the dark side of that approach starts to show itself. One of my biggest interests over the years has been psychology, with a specific interest in what does and doesn't make us happy. And while this is an extremely complicated question, and there are many variables, there seems to be a consistent finding. One of the best predictors of unhappy people is how isolated they are. And as you can imagine, there are few things that isolate someone better than swearing off all groups. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible to be happy while socially detached, but it seems to make things a lot harder. I know it's cliche to point out, but just think about it. In prison, you know, the place filled with dangerous criminals, the worst punishment is to be put in isolation. If that doesn't demonstrate the depth of our social nature, I'm not sure what does. And the downsides of intentional isolation aren't just limited to psychological challenges. 
Think about it. Our social predisposition is a key ingredient of what removed us from the food chain. Our ability to collaborate and learn with each other is our unfair advantage. Throw a human in the octagon with any other apex predator and I know who I'm betting on. And this social predisposition becomes even more obvious when we try to think of any remarkable human achievement that didn't rely on our ability to work together. I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that in most cases, removing ourselves completely from tribes directly limits our ability to have an impact on this world. Alright, so at this point you might be thinking what I was thinking when I started to see the limitations of this dropping out strategy. Well, we're damned if we do, and we're damned if we don't, right? Well, I actually don't think so. Which brings me to that tribal strategy I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. I like to call it metatribalism. But before I talk about what it looks like in practice, I want to give some much-needed context for this unorthodox approach. An approach that works best when we change the way we look at the things that hold our tribes together. Let me explain by getting back to my nutritional story. I started my search for answers thinking that I could find a thorough description of how food and the human body works. But I noticed that every theory had limitations or contradictions. But if we take a step back, this actually starts to make a lot of sense. Think about it. The mind-numbing amount of variables in our nutritional lives are just too much for us to conceive. And to think that one theory can give us all the answers is insane. The way we process and utilize food, and everything else for that matter, is the product of a multi-billion year old evolutionary process. The amount of causes and effects are effectively infinite. And getting back to the food topic, the inconsistencies in dietary advice clearly show us how little we can actually grasp. We try to explain things by simplifying the world enough to fit into stories or theories. But nevertheless, they're always limited and imperfect reflections of our remarkably tiny human perspective. And when we understand this, we're able to start seeing that these theories are best used as maps, not as the actual territory we live in. And to mistake the map for the rich, multi-dimensional world we actually live in is extremely limiting. But, at the same time, to say that maps are useless would also be crazy. We just have to use them at the right time, be open to the fact that things are always more complex, and accept that these man-made guides will often conflict with each other. It's this insight that enables the metatribal approach. And as you can see, it is grounded in humility. And humility is exactly what we need when interacting with other people and tribes in our lives. If none of us have it figured out, then all of us can respect our attempts to do so. We can also expect that unique perspectives create unique maps. And regardless of their content, they always always teach us something about others and, in turn, the world we live in. Exploring life with the intention of understanding others and not fighting with them makes all the difference. And you can take it from me, I almost never get in Twitter fights. <laughs> but seriously, this approach allows us to see the world from many perspectives, 
and in turn makes us far better at navigating the territory, both individually and collectively. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have opinions, or that we can't disagree with each other. In fact, it's important we do so, especially if we want to grow. But before we work together, we have to hear each other. And that requires a genuine intention to understand each other's perspectives. And since they are informed by the maps held and developed by tribes, the value of having a diversified tribal portfolio can't be understated, especially since every overlap and commonality is a bridge to understand a new person or group. And the silver lining here is that no matter what, we always have something in common, since we're all part of the same human tribe. But I'd be lying to you if I said this metaway was simple, or that there weren't some limitations here. It's not that simple because not everyone sees things this way. And the deeper people identify with the ideas, or to continue our metaphor, the more they see their maps as the territory, the more they demand others to do the same. So you're probably not going to be able to join many cults with this perspective. But all joking aside, this less committed mindset creates challenges, especially when talking about the limitations of a group's sacred values. So I'd probably suggest proceeding with caution and building some credibility before doing so. Also, if we're not individually and collectively mindful, it can be easy to slip back into rigid tribal identification. I don't want to go into it now, but I'll be talking a lot more about mindfulness in future episodes. All right, enough of my philosophical rantings. Let's talk about how this meta-tribal practice looks in everyday life. So back to nutrition it is. Today, my food habits look quite a bit different. For starters, I no longer rely on one tribe or map. Instead, I use what I've learned from them all in a fluid, context-dependent way. The more time I spend processing and relating everything I've learned, the more making dietary decisions becomes a highly personalized, even creative act. An act that intuitively references my old CF diet and each nutritional approach that came after. But it doesn't stop there. I also incorporate insights from many other fields like economics, philosophy, and ethics. As you can see, this isn't limited to food in any way. This perspective can be applied to anything. The more non-dogmatic learning we do, the more connections become visible. It's a bit like piecing a puzzle together, but since the world is multidimensional, it's much more dynamic, a lot more interesting, and yet, as we've already established, imperfect. And while this fluid macro map is very individualized, its evolution is highly reliant on collaboration. So when we want to connect with one of our old tribes, we just show them the well-kept, well-used map we originally built with them. And they'll almost always welcome us back in. The meta-tribal path doesn't arrive at a final destination. It's different for everyone, and its bipolar relationship with certainty can be a bit disorienting, especially early on. But that's also the beauty with it. With fluidity, it becomes a deeply personal expression of each of our unique skills, interests, and perspectives. Something that I don't think is possible from a dualistic perspective of black and white. This meta-way thrives on all perspectives, dual and non-dual. And the result is a highly adaptive process of creating, learning, and teaching together. 
and I think we're going to need it if we want to overcome the massive challenges we face today. I think embracing this fully allows us to move beyond the limitations of our tribal past, while still respecting, understanding, and harnessing their immense power. Maybe it would be best described as having our tribal cake and eating it too. And really, that's what this podcast is all about. The collaboration stuff, not the cake. So if you want to join this brand new Impactful tribe, go to patreon.com slash impactful. Oh, and you can find show notes and suggested content for this episode at impactful.info. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next month.